This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Uh, My name is Greg Stevenson. Uh, As a member of Endurance Church, I'm also the fitness director for University of Minnesota Recreation and Wellness. I have a master's in exercise science, and Pastor Bass uh, has asked me to talk about muscle. I have no idea what he's got planned for a sermon, but I'm going to assume there's a parallel between how our bodies work and what God wants to do in our life. So um, I'm going to hear, I'm going to lay the foundation, I believe, and I believe Don Bass is going to be coming up here later to speak a little bit more. Um, but I want to share a little bit about how our bodies are put together. And I see Pastor Bass waving me down, but you are, release the children. Children. Uh, didn't he release them? I'm working kids' church, so I can't. When you volunteer for Endurance Church, you wear multiple hats. If, uh, Pastor Don, if you want to volunteer, speak with him. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about muscle. This is an element that we all are familiar with, maybe not to the science uh, aspect of it, but I think um, when we go through this, you may have a better understanding about how our muscles work. And I do have a clicker, and I will utilize that. But specifically, we're going to talk about muscle action, um, how we move, the breakdown. So when you break down the muscle, what happens, and how do we build that back up? So here's an image of what your muscle looks like. So you can look like, uh, you can envision your bicep uh, on your arm. From the muscle belly, we work our way down to that very, very, very small segment where you see it's called a myofibril, and that is uh, circled right there. So you can see it's broken down into four different bundles, from one big muscle belly all the way down to a myofibril, and that's what we're going to talk about. And you have thousands, tens of thousands of myofibrils in your body, and that is actually the part of your muscle, your skeletal muscle, that really does the contraction and the expansion. So we're going to uh, work on that myofibril. So when you get into um, the uh, very, very in-depth section, this is what a sarcomere is. So that myofibril is very, very, very long, and you have tens of thousands of them. Then you have these segments, and you can see the Z-line on both the left and the right side. And Pastor, is that red button your, your light? There we go. So you have a Z-line and a Z-line there. So that's kind of a wall. So you have all these little segments within the myofibril, and you have hundreds and thousands of these. Now, these are the contractile units within the muscle. Then in the middle, you have what you call an M-line. It's another line. And then here, where you have a zone of overlap, that is the protein. That is where when your muscles expand and contract, 
that is where the action is happening. So right there, from Z-line to Z-line, you have sarcomeres. And then you break that further down, you have protein filaments, you have uh, actin that pull on that wall, and then you have red myosin that pull on that wall. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull those two walls together. So when you contract a muscle, you're taking all these segments and you're bringing those walls together. And if you look at it even further, this is what happens within those protein filaments. So, and this is not exactly, you don't have these little purple things, they're all color coded, that's red and purple, that's not exactly what it looks like, I'm sorry, you don't have all that uh, beautiful color in your, in your muscles. But just to illustrate, you have the thick myosin protein filament and the thin actin uh, protein filament. And remember, there's a wall over here and there's a wall over here. So when we contract, we form cross bridges. So the myosin actin have this kind of hinge, kind of a head, and it latches onto that actin up top and it contracts. So think about millions, millions and millions of these heads on your myosin, on the protein, just grabs on that other protein filament and pulls that wall closer. So when you contract against a load or um, something that has resistance, that's all you're doing. You're trying to bring the ends together. So this is where it's really happening at the uh, microscopic level. Now that's when you do an action. Now envision a heavier load and you have millions of those heads that are binding, but what happens is you break them. Okay, you tear down muscle. So when you break millions of those things, well, you're not gonna be as strong because you're physically, when you work out, you tear muscle. It's called microtrauma. You're physically breaking down your body when you exercise or when you exert a load on your muscle. So you break all these bridges, all those hair, all those heads, well then you eventually have to build them back up. So then when you try to build them back up, you take in protein, uh, it gets broken down into amino acids, and the amino acids rebuild and strengthen and enlarge your myosin and your actin. So you talk about uh, muscle mass, when you get bigger, your body's saying, okay, I need to form stronger and bigger molecules to withstand a heavier load because you've already broken me down. I'm not going to let you do it again. So I'm going to come back bigger and stronger. So that in a nutshell is what your muscles do, the skeletal muscle within your body. Any questions? Great. <laughs> I probably took like 10 minutes. I'm sorry. You're bringing hand. You can go ahead with the video when Daniqua shows up. We'll have her. Children, you are now released to your area of ministry. Follow Greg. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, I'm going to talk about uh, bodybuilding and fit, figure fitness. I used to be a figure competitor for a while there. Um, for maybe about three years, I was actually sponsored by GNC, and um, I was on, a, uh, on the track to getting my pro card um, as an IFBB professional athlete. So um, there's five things that basically we look for, judges look for in competition. The first is your muscularity. The second is definition. The third is proportion. The fourth is symmetry, which is so important. And I mean, they're all important, but symmetry is like, you know, it can beat almost everything. And then your stage presence, you're on stage, you got to work it. So um, with mus muscularity, that's a given. You just got to have, you know, you want big muscles. Um, the muscle definition, basically it's striations. We want to see the muscles, like individual groupings of your muscles. So your back is comprised of many muscles, your quads, your, just your body. So you want to see each, the detail of each muscle. Um, proportion, you want to make sure, you know, you see it oftentimes in the gym, guys who are like, yeah, and then they have no legs. That's what we did. <laughs> That's what 
what we don't want at all. We want to be proportionate. Um, so um, the, fo- the, fi- the fourth thing is symmetry. And so with symmetry, people think that symmetry and proportion are the same thing. They are not. Symmetry it comprises a lot of things. One of those is also genetics. So if you could have like everything else down, your muscularity, your proportion, your stage presence, everything, but if your symmetry is off, then you'll lose to someone who has better symmetry and everything else. So basically your symmetry is, okay, you want a V taper. So basically when you are standing on stage and from every single angle you do quarter turns. And so they're judging you on the muscularity of every aspect of your body. So some people have more of a boxy shape or form. So they don't have a V, the symmetry is off. It's not perfect. You could have knock knees or bow legs. That counts against you. You can't control that, it's genetics. But it's all part of the judging process. So um, yeah, and then that's pretty much it, yeah. That's right, you don't need it. Awesome. So hopefully we have the context here. How we build our muscles and also muscle development. Why is this important? Because God is maturing us. My goal is to give us an example, some visual to have in order to understand what we're going to talk about today. Why don't you look in the mirror? This is a white man's game. All right, get that through your thick monkey skull. about you but I was not raised in a culture or an environment that taught me to turn the other cheek in fact I was raised in a culture where the exact opposite was true and was taught to us if anybody messes with you you go at them even if you have to sometimes with a bat I was taught if anybody looks at you the wrong way we were raised to bow up and and get into trouble and fight and violence And that's why this movie is so powerful. I can think of no one in the 1940s that had to endure such ridicule, such hatred as Jackie Robinson. And yet because he was raised in the way of the Lord, taught by a Methodist preacher in his young days to turn the other cheek, that is what he did. Even when it was hard, even when he had to excuse himself, leave the field, bust some bats, yell, scream, whatever it took, he modeled what it looks like to love your enemies, even when it's hard. He modeled and exuded what it looks like to die to self and not return hatred with hatred. So we're, we're still talking about the teachings of Christ, and we'll come to a conclusion of this, I think, sometime right at the end of the summer. But I could have used a lot of different videos at this point to convey this message. I brought Greg up to give us some scientific terminology regarding how our muscles are built. But wasn't, in my opinion, what was interesting about Greg said, he said the muscle has to be 
broken down first, right? It has to be broken down first in order for it to what? To be rebuilt. Yes. And I'm not leaving that. <laughs> That's the entire sermon. Honestly, we can leave it this time. We're, we're basically done. And I'm not even remotely joking. Like, we're done. Like, you have to get what's going on with us as, as believers. We're being broken down. Why? So that we can be built back up. We're being broken down to be built back up. But what's the problem? Some people don't want to be what? Broken. And, and the problem is we keep running into similar patterns and habits and actions because we're, none, we're unwilling to be broken. So we fight against brokenness. We use uh, drugs, porn, sex, getting our way, buying clothes, buying Batman comic books. We do all these things to help us cope with this pain of being broken down. Instead of allowing the process to happen. When, when you're broken down, you have become a candidate to be built back up. You could be married. And your marriage, you come to this place where you're like, okay, it's over. No, no. This is the point where change has to happen. You're, you're at the point now where you're like, it's over. No, wait a minute. Now is the time where change has that. You've been broken down. To be built up. Now the problem with marriage is what? Who's going to be the first person? <laughs> That's an inside joke. Who's going to be the first person to start the reconciliation process? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be my wife? Who is it today? Like the humbling is a part of the process in Christ. We don't, we don't get rid of that process. We are broken down. Humbled. So that he can use us. Many times people fight against that process. That's why oftentimes you hear me talk about it's not just about what you feel. That's why we have a church that's hopefully developing to the point where we all like to do walking or running or working out. Some of you are, are maybe 20 years ahead of some of us because you're starting that process. But all of it kind of works together. If you can do what's necessary to keep your body in shape, your physical body you understand what it takes to keep your spiritual body in shape. At one time, I was able to lift huge amounts of weights. I can't anymore. I've destroyed my cartilage and joints. and sh Like, it's all broken right now. I can't even. So Greg gave me an, an idea. Just do endurance workout. That's what he told me verbatim. He said, lift high reps. So instead of now trying to push up 350 pounds four times, I do 135, and I'm on number 20. Oh, 30, oh, I'm screaming in there, looking at me. What's wrong with this dude? Like, he's only doing 135. But they don't know I'm on number 26, 27, 28. Now, when I was younger, I could lift a lot more. But hey, I'm old now. So it's okay. I get a pass, nevertheless. But for you, you have to take this and put it in your relationship with God. God is developing this inside person, the inner man, inner woman. God is building that person up. The Pharisees, the problem with them is they would always say, let's look at the outside. They focus on these actions. That's, what, that's the problem with the Pharisees. They always work on the action. When you see somebody doing wrong, you say, well, just do the right thing. That does not fix the problem. Have you noticed that? 
You tell somebody who has these bad habits, well, just stop doing that. Do something else. But you never deal with what's on the inside causing the problem. That's why I used to, used to, used to, used to love Minnesota Adult Team Challenge. Used to, because when you would go to Team Challenge or see events, you'd hear people talk about the heart, the motivation. They'd say, "Hey, let's let's deal with the root issue of the problem." Because you talk about pornography or illicit sex or immorality or gambling or drinking, you talk about any possible problem. You want to be affirmed by people, care too much about what other people think, want your way and your ideas always to be right. Like when you have these problems, they are not external problems. They are results of a symptom or they're symptoms of something wrong internally. And that's what God is dealing with the heart. Transformation takes place there. God could tell you, do something and you go, okay, I'm going to do it. But you know what? I'm not going to be happy about it. Right. Have you done what God has asked? No. Because you're complaining and fussing like there's an internal inside your heart. There's an issue that's happening. Our hope here at church is that's why we tell you to keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep fasting. We tell you to meditate on God's words. Memorize scripture because we're giving you tools so you can begin this internal war that happens in the heart. I used to look at myself as I became a more and more mature Christian. I'm going to be transparent here. I'll, I'll get in trouble, but I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. So um, um, I was trying to be focused on God, and I, the Bible says if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committing to sin, right? So I would, I would park a car, and I would happen to see an attractive woman. I'm just being honest. As I parked the car, I'd be like, oh, and, I'm, and guys, I'm doing this in front of everybody, okay? So this is giving you freedom to have this conversation with your wife. Silence. But nevertheless, <laughs> but nevertheless, I would, I would see an attractive woman and I'd look once because, you know, if you look twice, then that's a sin, right? <laughs> I'm telling a lot, this is a lot, of, a lot of guys are like, no, get quick, don't cross your hand, don't be defensive, let's talk to me now, right? You see the woman, you're like, oh my, okay, let me just focus, right? And I would notice myself get out the car and head toward that woman when I should be going this direction, and I'm like, what's going on with me? Like, I had to have this internal wrestling match. Because if I just went this way, and all the while I'm thinking about this person, I'm struggling. That's the, that's the fight I need to have. Got a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was killed right before he was freed. He was an individual, a group of pastors who tried to assassinate, well, a group of individuals. He was a pastor in a group of individuals who tried to kill Hitler and were to stop him. They failed. He was captured. He eventually died in prison. Nevertheless, he has this quote. It says, bless them that persecute you. Now he's throwing the quote from Christ. He said, if our enemy cannot put up with us any longer and takes to cursing us, our immediate reaction must be to lift up our hands and bless them. Our enemies are the blessed of the Lord. Their curse can do us no harm. May their poverty be enriched with all the riches of God, with the blessing of him whom they seek to oppose in vain. We are ready to endure their curse so long as they redound to their blessing. Hopefully you're kind of seeing where we're going with this. I understand it's hard difficult, next to impossible to respond with blessing to somebody who's cursed you. 
We're really talking about grace, and we'll get there eventually. You can do this, but are you willing to yield to God's command, His will, His purpose in the specific incidents? Now, if you can't do this, then what happens is you find yourself underdeveloped in a certain area of your walk with Christ. That's the part I, I don't like about contemporary leadership training. We say in today's leadership training, you only focus on your strengths and, and don't worry about your weaknesses. Well, well, that's not necessarily how we're learning sanctification. We are to find our weakness, our weak areas, weakest areas in our lives and develop those areas. If, if I'm a pastor of a church and I have an area, we, say I'm just bad in finances, just, just finances, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a horrible in finances, and I'm a pastor, I say, well, I'm not going to worry about finances. Somebody else will take care of that, right? I'll just take care of the stuff I'm good at. And then my finance blows up. You're like, what is wrong with you? We got to get a new pastor. He's horrible with the money. The same is for you. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm the pastor, but you're also representing Christ nonetheless. There isn't one area we could just say, hey, I get a mulligan on that area. Now I can't golf at all, but I know what a mulligan is. We can't just say, hey, we get a pass. No, there are a multitude of areas you have to focus and grow in until you're made mature. Can you respond in love to somebody who hates you? And if you can't, you know what? That's an area of growth. Don't just say, I ain't never going to do that. I know you don't want to do that, but you must do that because doing that is the fruit that God is in you. Love, joy, peace. I can do all the fruits of the Spirit. All those fruits are revealed during times of chaos and confrontation and conflict. You only need goodness when you don't want to be good. You, love is revealed when the situation is normally a hateful one. I mean, patience, when is patience revealed when someone's frustrating you? Like, all these are crisis situations where you need God's Holy Spirit to come up and help you respond in a way that glorifies and honors God. All right, let's jump into the scripture. I'm going to pray and we'll get started. Father God, thank you for this day, this morning, these people. I pray your word penetrates our hearts and changes to the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. In Matthew chapter 5, we know this is the Beatitudes the, the be at how we should be, how we should think. This is the, from the chapter 5, 6, and I believe 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, basically. And in this sermon, it's one of the, the highest heights of human ideals regarding how we should live our lives, the, the highest ethics of life. And Jesus is teaching to people who are believers. This isn't to unbelievers. This is to believers. And ultimately, they're hearing this is how someone acts, lives, interacts, engages in God's kingdom. These are kingdom-minded people actions. These are kingdom-minded thoughts. This is how you look if you are saved. And he goes to the Beatitudes about being poor. Now, what's interesting, all these different attributes are attributes we probably wouldn't, who would think somebody who's poor or meek is, is blessed? But they're only blessed because of God's kingdom. Now, if you're in God's kingdom, hey, you're blessed because you're in God's kingdom. Now, because you're in God's kingdom, how do you respond to life? That's letting your light shine. Jesus goes on to say, you have heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now, what most people miss here is he's explaining how the Pharisees thought righteousness wasn't carried out. You're righteous in the Pharisees' eyes if you do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I'm righteous because I obeyed the law. The oral law. Someone hit me, you hit them back. That's an eye for an eye. Someone knocks off your tooth, you knock out their tooth. Now, 
I don't know how exactly you can only knock one tooth out. That's, that's some skill that's beyond me right there, but you understand the point I'm trying to make. But nevertheless, they thought this made me righteous by doing this. But Jesus goes further. He's like, man, it's not about controlling these outward actions. Now, eventually these outward actions will change, but they only change once the internal stuff is dealt with. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But, he's still talking about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, I know you're thinking right now, well, this is only contextual. This isn't for everybody. No, this is how people in God's kingdom act. When you are smacked on one side, you turn the other. Now, you may be saying, man, that's impossible. God's grace can enable you to do that. But it takes someone who's mature to be able to do that, period. But let's, let's step back about two paces. What happens when someone doesn't listen to you when you're talking? What happens when you don't get your way? Do you turn the other cheek? What happens when somebody rubs you the wrong way? Do you turn the other cheek? See, we, we went to the end, the, the extreme, to make the point. The whole spectrum has to be addressed. It's not just that you have to turn the other cheek when you're smacked, but in any type of action taken against you, are you not resisting that person? You're being taken advantage of. Are you turning the other cheek? You think I'm just talking? Let me keep going. If anyone wants to sue you, take away their tunic. Let them have your cloak also. He say, man, he's just not talking about being smacked on the cheek. He's talking about legal matter. He's talking about all these different areas of your life where you're done wrong. You have responsibility as someone who is in God's kingdom to respond in such a way that it honors and glorifies God. But if you find yourself not able to do that, it's a matter of maturity, of growth, of development. My wife makes fun of me sometimes because I, I have skinny legs. I have no hands. I, I, my wife says my hamstrings are underdeveloped. I have no symmetry. I'm not a bite. Okay, you're enough, enough, <laughs> enough, right? She talked about my shoulder. She talked about my elbow. I mean, it's, it's all bad, right? So I'm, I'm working. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get those. Ah, get, they don't work, right? They just don't. I don't have genetics. My genetics are all bad, right? So I'm just, it's just all bad for me. There's no hope. Nevertheless, in Christ, there's hope, right? In Christ, you can be perfectly symmetrical. But it takes you being broken down and built up. Not just areas you're good at. You're good with kids. You're good in relationships. But you're not so good in turning another cheek. You have to be broken down to be built up. You need to be symmetrical in your life. And you do that by being developed into the image of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow, do not turn away. Gosh, turn the other cheek. I don't know what they're going to do. They always ask me for money. Oh, I'm just going to let somebody take advantage of me. Turn the other cheek. Okay, pastor, we're going to have a conversation after church. I understand. But before you set boundaries, first, turn the other cheek. That's all I'm saying. Get to that point. You have heard that was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He's going on to another point. He's saying, this is what it means to be righteous. 
loving your neighbor and hating your enemy. According to the law during that time, that's what it meant to be righteous. But he said, no, 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 that's not righteousness. Righteousness is this. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. He's like, that's what righteousness is in the kingdom. When you have the capacity to love people who hate you, who are your enemy, then you find yourself as mature, fully developed, symmetrical, having been broken down to be built up in the body of Christ. Why do we do this? So that we could be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Because what does God do? How do we know that God's this way? How do we know that this is God's nature? He said, look at this. God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God does this all the time. He's constantly showing blessing and grace, doing good to those who curse him and those who are never going to follow him while they're here on this earth. There are some people who are going to end up not going to heaven who are going to have the best life now. Uh Uh-oh. For if you love those who love you, he says, what reward have you? He said, if you're only loving the people who love you back, then where's the reward? Where's the cha-ching? He said, don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers and sisters only, what do you do more than others? He's like, look at that person who's giving you all that problem at work. If you don't associate with them, what are you doing different than everybody else? How are you letting your light shine? Here we go. This is the point I've been trying to get to. Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, what that means in the literary term is, is a, say it again, grounds conclusion. He's going to give you the conclusion of the matter. He says, therefore, since all this is true, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That word perfect is teleos. It means the end. It means completely developed. So here at the end, he's telling you to be completely developed as God is completely developed. He didn't say, hey, just focus on the areas where you're weak at. He says, focus on all the areas. And responding like God is the evidence that you are completely developed. Is everybody following me? Just like your Father in heaven is. I got a slide I want to put up real quick, and then we'll jump into the points. Nate, can you put that slide up there? I'm going to let you read all of it, but this is something I wanted to read for you. So we're in today's culture And people go from church to church. I'm like, hey, go to church because I want you to hear God's word. But this is from one of the early church historians. His name was Lucian. This is one of the earliest writings about Christians. Now, look at how Christian. This is somebody who I don't even know if he's a Christian historian, correct? He's not even a Christian. Listen to how he says Christians act during his day and time. This is what he says. The Christians, this is like around 100, 99, 98, 97, and the 80s. It's early A.D. after Christ died. It's, it's very early after he's been gone. And now people are, are being preached the message of the kingdom, the gospel, and look at how they were perceived by unbelievers. 
The Christians, you know, worship a man to this day. The distinguished personage who introduced their novel rites and was crucified on that account. This isn't from the Bible. This is somebody who is not a believer who is describing how Christians during that day and time acted. He says, you see, these misguided creatures start with the general conviction that they are immortal for all time. Stop. Stop. This is so true. Not, I'm saying this is real. He's calling us misguided creatures. But this is what he says next is powerful. These people think that they're immortal for all time. Do you think you're immortal for all time? Do you live in such a way that you think you're immortal for all time? Think about that. This is how early Christians thought about life. A lot of people say, hey, go back to the early church. Well, this is how the early church thought about life. How do you have to live to be perceived as one who thinks you're immortal? Let's keep going. Which explains the concept of death and voluntarily self-devotion, which are so common among them. What is he saying? These people are not afraid to die. This is an attribute that is conveyed by Christians during that day and time. When people saw Christians during this day, they had no fear of death. They thought they were immortal. So when it came to the issue of death, they would, they would die willingly for Jesus Christ. This is how people saw the early church. I know, buddy. He goes on to say, then it was impressed on them by their original lawgiver that they are all brothers. From the moment that they are converted and deny the gods of Greece and worship the crucified sage and lived after his laws, all this they take quite on faith with the results that they despise all worldly goods alike, regarding them merely as common property. Think about what he's saying about how the early church lived. He's saying this is how the early church is perceived by someone who is not a believer during that day. Is this how the church is perceived today? And if not, what has changed between then and now? We have the same Bible, the same God. What has changed is the preaching. The preaching has changed to meet the needs of the people. And now we have to rise up and meet the needs of our God. Got a couple points that we're done for the day. First point, do good to evil people. Doing good to evil people is a quality that is unique to God. I'm telling you... um, When people give their testimony of them being saved, normally what people do is they talk about what? (laughs) They talk about sins of, oh, I was, I was sleeping around and, or I was, um, you know, I was, I was uh, doing drugs, but no one talks about acts of cowardice. Have you noticed that? When people give their testimony, you don't hear anybody say, oh, I was a coward this time. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, fight this person. Why don't people, because that's not giving them glory. So when you, when you give your testimony, I always like take a step back and say, okay, are they glorifying themselves or are they glorifying God? 
I have acts of cowardice in my past where I should have stood up and done the right thing and I did not. I've been a coward. The Bible says cowards don't enter God's kingdom. That's, that's something you need to testify about. But now that I'm in Christ, I'm brave and bold. Why? Because I don't fear death. So who cares what happens to me because I know I'm immortal. That's what the early Christians believe. That's true. I believe that too because that's what the Bible says. And if I don't have to worry about death, then you know what? I can live freely here on the earth. I don't have to worry about failure or being embarrassed for Jesus. I can love my husband or my wife in such a way that it doesn't matter because I don't have to worry about being betrayed. Because I'm called to love unconditionally in such a way that they see Christ in me. Next point. God requires his children to act like him. Currently, Augustus is acting just like me. That's how I act. As soon as I leave the doors, I'm going to be doing ah from the time I leave until I get home. That's how I act. Are you God's child? If you're God's child, you're going to act like him. And how does God act? The scripture said he, he has rain fall on the good and bad. Son, on the just and the unjust. Like, that's what it means to be godly. Anybody got a witness to that? Be like God. That's the point. You may say, I can't be like God. Yes, you can. God's grace is available not just to save you. God can deliver you. His power is available to you so that you can do all the things he's asked you to do. There's going to be times you feel hopeless. That's the time you turn to God. Don't give up. Keep moving forward. God is working in your heart. Don't just worry about trying to stop the external bad habits. Babe, I, just, I told them I lesson after other women, so just let you know if you watch the video. Okay. But nevertheless, I confess my sins openly, therefore I am healed. As the scriptures say, preach it, Bass, preach it. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to get cool points for later on. Be like God is what I'm trying to say. Be like God. And you can do that. It's hard. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. Why? Because you have to be broken down. And none of us like being broken down. I was humbled last week at work. Humbled. I misspoke in the meeting. I said something wrong. And I almost said, Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm, I'm not blaming God, right? Because of my miss. It was my fault. It wasn't his fault. But in my response, my behavior, I had to realize I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. And if I care more about my image, then I try to become an image manager. And God breaks that down vanity. God breaks down our vanity really quickly. Is anybody else in here with me on that one? Preach it. Why do we need to do this? So that we can be mature children of God. So our goal is to be immature. And being mature just doesn't mean I'm saved. Being mature means I can respond to situations in such a way that gives God honor and glory. That one got me right there, Augustus. I can respond in such a way that gives God honor and glory. But to be mature means you to be symmetrical. There are areas in my life that have to be developed. My hamstrings have to be developed. It doesn't matter. I can't. I have little chicken legs. I have chicken legs. It's okay. But my wife may get on me about my chicken legs. But we joke with each other. 
But the point I'm trying to make is what area in your life spiritually do you need to grow in? Are you afraid of looking bad in other people's eyes? Are you afraid of being consistent with giving your tithes and offerings? Are you afraid of consistently praying? Are you afraid of someone seeing your family that they're cray cray? <laughs> like we, we don't care about, we're all cray. We are all cray. And it's okay. What? That rhymed for a minute. Put that back on film right there. Make sure you put some text under that subtitle, that cray cray part. <laughs> Nevertheless, we all are because we're all broken, we're all sinners. And it's okay. People don't realize when you keep stuff inside, try to hide, try to cover, that's the devil's playground. That's why God tells you to confess your sins. When you hide stuff from your spouse, why am I keep talking about marriage today? Something's going on. When you keep hiding stuff from your family and friends, when you do that, it causes internal war that hinders you emotionally from developing and growing. But when you're open with that, Willingly give that information out. That's when healing comes. Healing is a process. Healing is a process. It is, Augustus. So you have to remember, Jesus turned his other cheek. You can do it as well. <laughs> Lord, is that you? <laughs> it could have been the rapture. Were you ready? If that was the rapture, were you ready? I'm just being honest. Who was ready? Raise your hand. No, no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Are you ready? Let's grow. We can do this. Don't you understand what's happening to us? We're being changed. We're growing. We had to be in here today and listen to Augustus. We had to not be distracted by him to hear the word. In your own life, are you being distracted from what God's trying to do in your life? You're like, what is God trying to do? He's trying to make you mature. He's trying to make you like him. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. You'll never get off this, what they call spindle. You're always going to be molded and shaped. Whether you're 8, 88, 98, 108, it doesn't matter. Growth is constant. Change is constant. But you have to be willing to surrender to God moment by moment. It's up to you. Last point. And this is the most important point. Maturity is a choice. It's a choice. My hope for you today is that you start having this internal conversation. Yes, you have maybe bad habits like me. There may be areas of weakness you have like me. We all have them. Don't just say, hey, that's just who I am. No. That's areas where you need to grow in. You're like, hey, man, I'm, I'm past the time of growing. Oh, you are deceived. Keep growing. That's why this church, we say live well and what? Finish strong. If you're at this church and you happen to be over 80, I'm just telling you, you're here because God's trying to say finish strong. We can all grow. If you're in this church, you're eight years old, our hope is to build a children's ministry. We can teach our kids to live well. 
There's some people who don't have the capacity to live well or finish strong. We're trying to give you the tools so you can do that. I have great hope for you, expectation. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. We're thankful, Father God, that you want us to grow. You want us to be changed. You want us to look more like you. We're thankful, Father God, that you love us enough to keep challenging us. You keep asking us to pursue you. Help us, Father God, to hear your voice daily. Help us not let go of your hand. As you lead us through the valleys and mountains of our life, Father God, help us, Lord. Help us not be easily offended when people say stuff that come at us sideways, Lord. Help us be benevolent, patient, kind. Lord God, help our expectation for people be proper, but help our expectation for you, Lord God, to be unlimited. Help us become more trusting and help us trust you more. Help us be your body here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Come baptize us.